This is Mick Berry of Keith Moon, The Real Me, and you're listening to the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Well, hello. Welcome back again to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good folks at Pantheon. Pleased, as always, to be part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. We are available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. Um, lots going on these days. Um, looks like I'm going to be appearing at uh, Rockin' Pod in Nashville um, in August uh, later this year. And uh, and also right after that, I will be going to Sao Paulo uh, for my Merciful Fate book and uh, doing some book signings, a few talks. I'm going to be there for a good 10 days. Uh, so that's coming up as well. So lots happening. And one of the things I'll probably be doing in Sao Paulo is related to this episode. Um, this episode is going to be called Who Invented Punk? Um I will be doing a talk on this uh, likely down in Sao Paulo, as well as a few other heavy metal related things. But this is a topic near and dear to my heart. It's something uh, that I've considered writing a book on. Um, I did a book called Who Invented Heavy Metal, which is 120,000 words of uh, of uh, crazy uh, timeline and quotes uh, and a lot of memorabilia that ends in 1971. So that's a massive uh, look at the, um, you know, detailed look at the invention of heavy metal. Um, but I've thought to do the same thing for punk, and I've actually started a little bit of one, and I've printed out a little bit of this that I'm going to go through a couple of the entries on uh, for this. But um, what I've done with this episode, just so it doesn't go forever, is um, I, well, I've, I've always believed this anyways, the most uh, interesting part of this whole who invented punk thing that a lot of people haven't talked about is, uh, is a good detailed look at the years 1974 and 1975. So everything that we talk about in this episode is going to be uh, a, a specific point made about something that is happening uh, in and around this 74, uh, 75 period. So um, leading up to that a little bit, though, and I, I won't I won't dwell too long in this, but this whole idea of punk, obviously, um, you know, everybody talks about the MC5's albums and live performances, granted, um, the Stooges as well, and Iggy being the, you know, the the first punk with his page boy look and his, you know, terror on stage. I mean, he really is, uh, in certain ways, the first punk. But uh, as I say, I'm going to define punk for this episode as something that essentially uh, begins to feel, uh, you know, the, the original punk to me is really, you know, bottom line, all those records from 1977. But what I want to do is say, um, you know, the argument here is going to be, it's basically in place by late 1975. So yes, we have MC5, we have the Stooges. Uh, something else that's very important um, for, for the punk guys was um, 
The first Nuggets compilation, Original Artifacts from the First Psychedelic Era, 1965 to 1968. It came out October 2nd, 1972. Um, and this had um, a lot of bearing on the punk guys because garage music from the 60s is a big part of uh, the origins of punk. I've interviewed many, many punk guys, and they all loved uh, that old stuff. Flame and Groovies is another kind of important band that comes up. They're sort of a retro, almost like a rocker uh, sort of band, like a retro band who's who's reviving, kind of like the Liars and Monoman and DMZ later, kind of revived, um, you know, garage rock. And, and, you know, essentially their records are a little bit of an education in that along the way. So Flame and Groovies are kind of important and they, and they get mentioned by a lot of these, um, a lot of these punk guys as important, but, um, let's move on. Um, so that's, that's your quick primer. It's essentially garage rock. MC5, the Stooges, as well as the New York Dolls, because the New York Dolls, they, they definitely didn't look punk. And I've played those records recently again. They don't really sound very punk other than David Johansson's voice. But they're in there in New York. Um, they're dangerous. They're wild. So, so they're kind of part of that nascent scene. So they're another one in there. So OK, so let's stop there. Um, we, we are really talking about 1974 and let's play our first selection. Um, and then we shall discuss. This is the Ramones with Now I Want to Sniff Some Glue. All right, so why are we playing the Ramones? Ramones are super important. We're playing the Ramones because their first gig ever at CBGB's was August 16th, 1974. You can go on YouTube and play all sorts of uh, uh, old Ramones stuff from 1974 and 1975 and realize that this is a, a great argument for very first punk band. We're going we're gonna to talk about different scenes and how people didn't know each other later. So first is uh, first can happen, it's like a, like a four-dimensional, chess game 3d 3d chess game where things can be happening uh simultaneously in different places so it's a, it's a little bit uh metaphysical to say first i suppose but no you you play this old ramon stuff um and the evidence like i say is there on youtube um you know i was actually going to pick a clip from uh from september 15th 1974 you can go see and hear this on youtube but no what what i what i played here is something from the debut album because i want to make two points here so ramones are essentially um you know the 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 first and most you know cogent and reasonable and forceful argument for a punk band they they aren't dressing completely punk right in the beginning but they definitely have these strange punky songs you know they have long hair so i suppose that's not very punk i don't think the ramones ever looked very very punk but but basically they sounded incredibly punk uh, right off the thing everybody knew this was kind of a new strange kind of music um you know all the rock critics types were taking notice that this is something kind of weird it definitely has a garage uh linkage uh especially with the name of the band even and everybody calling themselves uh, ramon as a last name um but yeah very important and uh, and also i wanted to make the point here that uh, a lot of people consider uh the ramon's first album uh 76 as uh, as the first you know punk album of all time and that's that's a very good argument to be made there i mean you play that record it's 
quite a blueprint for what punk rock is. Um, although Ramones have a lot of their, uh, you know, idiosyncrasies and their own, their own interesting look at the world, their, their different lyrics. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so Ramones in terms of, uh, not only the first first punk album of all time, but uh, they are they are essentially you know day in day out uh, as as early as uh, as the latter half of 1974, playing a heck of a lot of punk rock uh, on stage and influencing a heck of a lot of people. Um, I want to make another point around this CBGB scene. Um, I I debated um, playing this, but I didn't want to play something super scratchy and something that that wasn't on a record of any sort. Um, television. Uh, 1974 as well, the Orcs Loft Rehearsal. You can go play this on, um, on YouTube as well. It is video and audio. And um, you can hear this band being a lot punkier than they ever were going to be later on uh, in terms of, um, you know, Mar- the Marquee Moon album, which comes out in 77. They're, they're essentially not a punk band by that point. But you play this Orcs Loft material and they're jerking around and jumping around and looking pretty punky that way and sounding pretty punky. It's pretty noisy stuff. Like I say, it's a very different band than you're going to hear on Marquee Moon. But, you know, the big thing here is that Richard Hell is looking very punky with this with his spiky black hair and his uh, his clothes held together with safety pins and all this stuff. So, so basically, Richard Hell, um, you know, you could say Richard Hell invented punk um, because of uh, of just this look and who he is and the name Richard Hell and the and the whole thing. Uh, it it you know the package is there now. Now he basically um, you know falls out of the discussion. Sure, there's the Richard Hell and the Voivoid Void albums, Blank Generate album. Uh, blank generation later that's 1977 i don't even like it very much i don't consider it very punk and it's late um but no his his contribution is this thing and and a very intriguing part of the contribution is that uh, malcolm mclaren uh you know after seeing the new york dolls he 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 actually, you know, he's got the pistols kind of happening. He takes a break. He comes over to New York and he actually, um, you know, it, as legend has it, has kind of lifted the idea of punk from Richard Hell and television. So that's another very important one uh, in the invention of punk. And that, again, that Orcs Loft rehearsal uh, footage is um, 1974. Um, I was going to play a clip uh, from from. Um, a song called Double Exposure, I believe it's the first, yeah, it's the first thing on that, uh, that Orcs Loft rehearsal thing. Um, so yeah, there you go, 1974 CBGB scene. Uh, let's move on, um, and let's stay in 1974, this crucial year for actual true punk, uh, I think. Um, take a listen to this. This is The Saints with Wild About You. You made a finish by Saturday, I hung around to the jungle you. And I go wild man on a rampage Yeah, I found it's a bar, baby Where are you? I feel like a hard book to reach you But honey, I don't want to get you Yeah, you look so good as you need you But I won't get the stage, so I want it you I walk back the way out, clothes you wear You pretty ass dresses, you took up there You laugh at me, cause I'm a stern ass you Honey, laugh at me, a bunch of love in it too Cause you're wild, and I'm a wild about you now, again, um, I'm playing you Wild About You from the 1977 album, I'm Stranded, but I'm playing Wild About You because uh, you can hear, again, go on YouTube, and uh, and there's uh, 
there's uh, an album uh, that, you know, one of these later terrible sounding archival albums, that's the other reason you want to play it, that came out much later um, called, it came out in 1995, called The Most Primitive Band Live in Brisbane 1974 on Hot Records from UK. And you can hear Wild About You uh, there. And you can hear that basically the Saints in Australia were uh, were basically being very punk. Uh, you know, you could say, are they inventing punk? Well, they're in Australia. No, nobody knows about them, and they don't know about what's going on elsewhere. But um, you hear an you know pretty incredible punk sound. Now, the "I'm Stranded" from this album of uh, of live material is uh, is not very punk sounding. It's a little slowed down. Uh, but "Wild About You" is total punk. And the other thing that you hear. Um, from the Saints that I think is very important is you get this sort of uh, bedheaded, cranky vocal out of uh, out of Chris Bailey. So essentially, um, you get a punk vocal on very punky music. Um, what else is on here? So Wild About You is on here. Do the Robot, One Way Street, Knock on Wood, Erotic Neurotic, which we actually played in a in a previous episode on on Punk for Metalheads. Uh, shows you how heavy that one is. Uh, their cover of River Deep Mountain High, Lies. I'm stranded, messing with the kid. I'm misunderstood. So you you play all of that stuff that was on this uh, this lot. Well, you know, it's, it's not on anything. It's it's a live uh, it's a live thing from 1974. But you realize very quickly that. Um, the Saints invented punk uh, as much as Richard Hale invented punk or the Ramones invented punk. Let's take a break and we'll be right back. Okay, so here we are back again, History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. This episode is called Who Invented Punk? And uh, our number three entry, and Len, we shall uh, discuss. This is, uh, this is kind of bringing another scene into it, and we're still in America. Take a listen to this. This is Rocket from the Tombs with What Love Is. So why I wanted to play this is, um, <laughs> number one, I think the Dead Boys are about the most punk band possible. It's like if you take all the purest ingredients of punk and mash them all together, together you would get the Dead Boys album Young, Loud, and Snotty. So, um, uh, you know, many of you may, may notice that this is a song that appears on that record. Well, Rocket from the Tombs is essentially a, uh, a Cleveland scene band uh, that, that split into Perubu and the Dead Boys, uh, chiefly. And, uh, and so here's Dave Thomas, actually, from Perubu singing this, but it's a, it's a song that shows up on the Dead Boys album. And there's other songs uh, that show up on the Dead Boys album from this particular um, live situation. Now, what this is, is... Um, uh, okay, so essentially the details are sides A and B recorded. So, so this is one of these um, archival reissued, uh, you know, old, old tapes live albums. So this is readily available and it is on Spotify. Um, but sides A and B recorded February 18th, 1975 at the Rocket from the Tombs rehearsal loft. That's So that's what love is, is from that, February 1975. Side C and D tracks recorded July 24th, 75 at the Piccadilly Inn. Side D tracks four and six recorded. May 5th, 1975 at the Agora. Uh, 
and yeah, so this is an album called The Day the Earth Met the Rocket from the Tomb on Smogvale Records, um, 2002. Uh, they cover raw power, so you could tell they're thinking like punks. Um, they're they're thinking along the lines of this incendiary, uh, you know, music, this anarchic music. Uh, Ain't It Fun is on here, which turns out to be a, a, um, a Dead Boys song. Uh, 30 Seconds Over Tokyo, I believe that might even be Peru's very first single, and it's pretty punky for them. They're more of a kind of an industrial, proggy industrial band in a way. Um, Sonic Reducer is on here, and it actually doesn't sound in- incredibly punky the way the Dead Boys do it in 1977. Um, what else? Uh, well, that's good. Well, Down in Flames is on here. And, and yeah, they, they also cover Search and Destroy. Um, hopefully I'll, I'll remember to mention that in a minute again, why that's, uh, that's an interesting choice here. So, um, you know, essentially what, what we've got represented here by these guys is the idea of another scene, a Cleveland scene, uh, that is important for punk. And I actually printed out a little bit of, you know, my, my starting, uh, DNA of this Who Invented Punk book that I was, uh, thinking of doing and may still do, but I printed out a a few of the entries that I had put down for 1974-75, and I just want to mention, so December 22nd, 74, landmark punk rock gig show at the Viking Saloon in Cleveland, designated special extermination night featuring Rocket from the Tombs, Electric Eels, and Mirrors, all local acts. 1975, Cleveland's Mirrors, most... Uh, more of a post-garage rock act combined with the cleaner guitar Velvet Underground sound issued their only output a single called Shirley and She Smiled Wild on Heathen Records. Uh, let's see, what else do we get? Um, early 75, uh, 2014's Dielectric Eels archival compilation captures the Electric Eels quite authentic punk sound as it existed in 75, as demonstrated through rehearsal tapes. So here we go. This is all the Cleveland stuff. Um, the, uh, post-punk band Debris forms in Chickasaw, Oklahoma. Suicide Commandos form mini Minneapolis, summer of 75. Their sound isn't quite punk yet, but their name definitely is. There we go. As is their fashion sense. Suicide Commandos play their first gig September 75. Um, Debris, there's another entry for 75. So there you go. So Rocket from the Tombs essentially is here uh, to show that, uh, you know, the the roots of the most punk band ever, the Dead Boys, uh, were right there in 1975. Okay, so moving on, um, let's go to, let's see, we've gone to, yeah, we've gone through three. So take a listen to this. This is the Dictators with Two Tub Man. I am a pilgrim looking for danger. All right, so I wanted to pick the dictators here as well. I I know these guys pretty well. I've interviewed, uh, you know, most of them many times and actually just talked to Ross, the boss, about this uh, recently again. Uh, The dictators were a band that essentially, um, you know, the driving punk uh, uh, ethos of it came from Andy Chernoff, who had uh, this uh, fanzine, you know, very irreverent uh, fanzine called uh, Teenage... Teenage Wasteland Gazette, something like that. It might be spelled Gazette. Um, but, you know, it, it's essentially a Lester Bangs kind of wild sort of thing. Um, uh, 
and and he he loved his garage rock all these guys were like music snobs with their with their kind of garage rock past so they they kind of get going in 73 74 but they're important in here for a couple of reasons uh you know it is arguable that the very first punk album of the actual punk age like the age that you know i'm i'm saying the 77 76 punk age is uh is the dictators go girl crazy it came out on cbs produced by sandy perlman and murray krugman of the blue oyster cult fame um but basically uh so so you know sandy sees them uh, gets them signed they get a deal and they put out this record uh, you know it doesn't sell very well but it beats the Ramones record by uh, by about 11 months, I believe. Uh, it comes out in March of 1975. So early 1975, the Dictators are there with this shouty lead singer and handsome Dick Manitoba, these kind of irreverent, um, you know, rock and rollsy songs uh, that have kind of garage roots, heavy metal roots, but also they have this kind of punky feel to them. Uh, Two Tub Man, you can you can hear a punkiness in that song. You know, the big uh, the big gangland gang vocals um they cover california sun you know the ramones later cover california sun as ross told me one of the interesting things is that um he says you look at early pictures of the dictators and early pictures of the ramones and as he says they look like they could have been from the same band these guys are kind of the first band who brings leather jackets into this whole thing and you know handsome dick manitoba's got the sunglasses and so you know i mean you look at the early dictators footage and they look they look a little more like standard rock stars they got long hair and kind of curly long hair and stuff like that right um but you know this album and then by 77 they're making another album that's pretty punky and manifest destiny so 77 is still pretty early but they're on to their second album so this is pretty important i wanted to put them in here um and again the main thing i want to put them in here for is this idea of did the dictators bring us the first uh punk album of all time i mean you know accepting uh, Stooges Raw Power and, and accepting uh, two New York Dolls albums and the other Stooge albums and MC5. But into this modern era, is this the first punk album? The other reason they're kind of important uh, that you want to put them in here is because they were a CBGB band. As as uh, Ross told me, like he says they played CBGBs like 35 times kind of thing. Uh, so they were right in there influencing people, being influenced by people. They were seeing the Ramones. They were, they were essentially preceding the Ramones, as I say, and uh, and they beat everybody uh, to, to an album. Um, so that's important. Okay, so moving on. Um, yeah, I had a note here in my notes, uh, just uh, apropos of, uh, of going back, I suppose, or apropos of nothing. Flamin' Groovies had a lot of records out. Super Snaz, 69, Flamingo, 70, Teenage Head is, a, is one that, you know, is a, is a pretty important one. And there was a, a Canadian punk band named uh, from Hamilton, Ontario, named after that record, Teenage Head. Uh, Shake Some Action was a, was a big album for a lot of people, so that's June 76. We're already, you know, Flamin' Groovies now, they're, they're making records late, you know, in, in to this whole thing and they're and they're being even more retro than than punk people they're essentially being like a like a garage rock band okay so moving on uh this is where we're going to talk about all things england um take a listen first of all this is uh the sex pistols with pretty vacant
All right, so why are we picking the Sex Pistols? Um, you know, this is off of a record that came out October 28th, 1977. So this is this is late into punk. I mean, as essentially, you know, the funny thing is, you know, these English people who are in there in this accelerated, um, you know, market of these uh, these big, massive um, weekly music papers used to say that uh, punk died when The Clash signed to CBS. So essentially, they're saying punk is over, yeah, whatever, late 76, early 77. And Sex Pistols are finally coming out with their album in, in uh, you know, October 28th, 77. But the thing is... Um, the Sex Pistols were playing. They had they had basically a half dozen dates uh, already that they had played in November and December of 1975. They were looking punk. They were playing punk. They already had some originals. This is why I played you Pretty Vacant because they were actually playing Pretty Vacant in 1975. Um, so. And again, this they are the band that is the product of Malcolm McLaren going over to New York and basically stealing the shtick of uh, of television and Richard Hell and bringing that back. So he's you know he's big into the fashion thing. He's got his sex shop fashion. You know it's called that, right? And he's he essentially. Um, you know, fashion is a big part of this whole thing for him. So for him, you know, this is much more than managing a band. It's kind of a movement. It's an ethos. It's a philosophy. So he's got these Sex Pistols guys looking in this strange new way, which is punk. And and they're playing punk. And they definitely have a punk vocalist in Johnny Rotten. They have this strange vocalist who looks like your iconic punk. And he's got this strange berating style um, a very acerbic style, pretty intelligent, actually, um, uh, you know, delivering this new kind of music. So, so really they are, they are ground zero for, um, probably, you know, I, I wouldn't even say, I wouldn't even say, uh, well, okay. I, w- I would say more so than the Ramones and a lot more so than the dictators and definitely more so than the saints, way more so than television. So, when you want to talk about pure, pure punk, which, again, earlier I, I uh, you know, essentially de- define as the dead boys during the, you know, the that first album, Young, Loud and Snotty. But if you want to talk about um, very close to that, very close to being the iconic representation of punk, it is the Sex Pistols. So when they're doing all of this, this is the other big point, when they're doing all of this in late 75 and in 76, um, Every punk guy that I've interviewed will tell you that the Sex Pistols were a huge influence on turning them into punks. So, you know, the Damned and the Clash and the Vibrators and the Buzzcocks, everybody who was in there on the ground floor. Who else is there? Eater, Subway Sect, the Drones, um, you know, eventually people like the Undertones, even your post-punk bands. Boomtown Rats was pretty punk on the first album. Um, so, so the Sex Pistols were... Um, a, a huge, huge influence, as was the Ramones. So the Ramones came over to the UK and played as well. So people were blown away and uh, and influenced by the Ramones. They were blown away and influenced by the Sex Pistols. And even, to go back earlier, the Stooges uh, were there. Uh, New York Dolls were there. This is, remember, inf- infamously their drummer died in, uh, in England. Um, but basically, uh, the punk bands were molded by all these guys, but the Sex Pistols was the most immediate uh, version of, of this stuff happening. So they're essentially uh, ground zero. They're, they're almost like the first production or product or manufactured thing that is true, true, true 
punk uh, anywhere, um, but definitely, definitely in the UK. There's, there's nothing that can compete with it. And just to give you a little treatise of what comes before, so, so really nothing much comes before. I mean, everybody talks about, um, and I, I consider it a red herring, but, you know, you got to give it some credence because the punk bands always bring it up. They bring up um, pub rock. Now, pub rock is a very strange term in the UK. Uh, part, part of pub rock... Uh, apparently relates to almost like country rock bands like Little Feet that they had over there, their own versions of that. But the but the main kind of punk rock, the main definition of it is the likes of uh, mostly Dr. Feelgood and Eddie and the Hot Rods. And people do talk about the energy of these live shows, the simplicity, the the basing it in the blues, uh, but just the, uh, you know, the drunken, sweaty energy of Dr. Feelgood. So you've got Down by the Jetty, 75 uh, studio album. You've got the, um, the Malpractice album, 75, Stupidity, the live album in 76. Most punks that I've ever interviewed, original punks, uh, will eventually bring up Dr. Feelgood as an, as an important thing. So this pub rock thing is, is often in the UK considered this first predecessor of, of actual punk rock. Um, you've even got strange stuff like the rock revival over there with, with Count Bishops. You've got, you've got the mods. You don't really even have a mod revival yet. I mean, I suppose the jam is coming along. Um, but, um, but no, it, it's essentially it's essentially um, pub rock, and uh, and New York Dolls and Ramones and Stooges, uh, and and the the crushing economy uh, in in London. I mean, London was basically a bombed out place with a lot of uh, with a lot of uh, you know squatting and stuff like that. It it basically London and New York were in dire dire straits in in 1977. They they were not. They were not gentrified places in the least. Um, so yeah, you had a lot of uh, a lot of strife there. I, I, is it the summer '77? Also was like this super crazy hot summer. You know, punks, punks going big time by then. But there you have it. I, I really should wrap this up. This has been a long one, hasn't it? So I'm I'm putting Sex Pistols in here. Um, basically because they're the most famous punk band of all time. That's one reason. But also uh, the main reason is they are in operation uh, in 1975. So yeah, everything you've heard here has a lot of relevance to the years 1974 and 1975 before punk breaks big. I just want to mention a couple other cool things. One of my favorite bands of all time is The Damned. They are credited with the first punk single of all time in New Rose, October 22nd, 76. Uh, a UK punk single, put it that way. And um, they're also credited with the first punk album out of the UK ever, which is Damn, Damn, Damned, February 77. And they're also credited as the first UK punk band to go over and play in the States. So the Damned is really important as well. But uh, but the Damned do not have the uh, the chronological history going back as far as the Sex Pistols. There you have it. Who invented punk? Those guys invented punk. Um, let's wrap this up. So in uh, History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff, um, we shall call it a day this time. And uh, yeah, go to our Facebook, uh, comment over there. We've got all sorts of cool comments. You can go to my uh, site, martinpopoff.com, and check out all my books. In terms of punk, I only have a Clash book that's out of print, um, but I do have a Ramones book. Beautiful, beautiful, big hardcover that I think I got about four or five copies left of that. Um 
really, really nice book. All my books are there, uh, you know, with PayPal buttons. I sign them. I ship them out from the office. Um, let's leave it for that. I'm glad I got this one down because this is kind of a dry run for uh, for one of the talks I plan on giving in Sao Paulo. <laughs> Apparently, all these talks are going to be done with a translator, so it's probably going to be about 11% of what I just babbled here. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, I'm, I definitely uh, am excited about this Who Invented Punk question. It's a pretty cool one. Uh, so signing off, there you go. History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. We shall see you next time. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.